Welcome everybody to podcast today for August 18th, 2016. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire is the fourth film in the Harry Potter series released in 2005 and directed by Mike Newell. It is the second best Harry Potter film, I want to say. I won't have a definitive ranking until I watch all of the Harry Potter films. But yeah, I think this is a damn good film because unlike Prisoner of Azkaban, which for me didn't really have that same sense of cohesion and continuity. You didn't really know what was happening. You didn't really know what the point of the film was for a lot of the film. And, you know, sometimes it works to keep your audience in the dark, keep that sense of mystery and intrigue about what's happening and what the film is going to be about and how it's going to end. But then sometimes it just feels a little disjointed. It feels a little kind of scrambled that the parts don't come together as you feel like they should. Goblet of Fire, on the other hand, I don't think that's a problem. I think this film, from the outset, really kind of knows what it's doing, knows where it's going, and does a very good job of angling slowly toward that big climax where, naturally, Voldemort, who returns from the dead, played by Ray Fiennes, who is one of the many British actors who jumped on the cast that year. Brendan Gleeson, of course, playing Alistair Moody, or technically not playing Alistair Moody. Is he technically playing Alistair Moody? Technically, he's playing Bartimus Crouch Jr. in this film. Doesn't say that in the Wikipedia, though, does it? <laughs> That's a spoiler. Of course, it's a, it's a, this is a review of the film. Of course it's going to have spoilers. David Tennant actually plays Barty Crouch Jr. David Tennant, of course, known for The Doctor. He would become The Doctor that particular year. So good year for David Tennant. Or Pats, Robert Pattinson, introduced as Cedric Diggory before his, his Twilight takeoff. He was in Harry Potter, which realistically, that would have made tweenies love him. But then Twilight came along. It's just like, you are our god now. And as I said, Ray Fiennes, who was a very good Voldemort. He was a good Voldemort. I liked him as Voldemort. Creepy. Fair enough, it's 90% prosthetics, but still. He embodied that sense of just menacingness. This film also introduces the Quidditch World Cup, and actually Cedric Diggory is introduced by jumping out of a tree, as most people are. Though I will say that they couldn't have had a more stereotypical display of Irishness in the, the, the Quidditch World Cup. There were dancing leprechauns and, and stereotypical phrases. It's like, guys, really? Come on. It's like that Simpsons Irish episode, which wasn't particularly offensive, it was just kind of lazy. It's like, guys, you leaned on every Irish stereotype known to man. Come on. You guys are better than that. Well, maybe the Simpsons aren't better than that these days. Though the Simpsons still good. People rag on the Simpsons like, oh, when it was good. It's still good. They still produce probably more good episodes than bad in a given year. This was your poor haircuts as well. I, I don't know what's going on with Ron and Harry's head in this film, but no. This is clearly to represent their rebellious, weird hair phase of, of well, most people's childhoods. Most people have a, a let's grow the hair out and see where it goes kind of phase. Though I have at the moment what could be generously described as a Bieber flip, but I had it first because I'm older than Bieber, so suck it. He stole my hair, good, I didn't steal his. Poor Harry though, he wanted a, an uneventful year, you know, a safe, relatively straightforward year where he's just gonna like, go to school. Just a kid going to school. Can't just have a year where a kid goes to school, can he? Has to be frickin' dragged into this dangerous tournament where children are put at risk against dragons and thrown into deadly mazes. Also, this is another in the Hogwarts really isn't a safe place <laughs> category. It's in, once again, Voldemort got in in year one. Memory Voldemort got in in year two. Sirius Black got in in year three. And a Death Eater got in in year four to dramatically endanger a bunch of students in these already dangerous games. Hogwarts is just a hazard to these children's health. It's like a test to see, well, if they don't die, they're clearly pretty good if they make it through. So, you know, by the time Umbridge is introduced in, in the later films, it's like, fair enough. This, this school needs law and order. Dumbledore is not providing this. 
Voldemort is breaking in every second year. I do find it interesting though in the Harry Potter world, and I know they do suggest in flashbacks that, that all the Death Eaters that are out in the world only got out because they, they essentially turned on their kind. But even then, still, it's just like, you trusted these people? After they were like, loyal to Voldemort? And they were let back out into society like the Malfoys? They weren't just like, locked up? Throw away the key. <laughs> you were loyal to Voldemort, the most wicked man known to man. You're out. You're no longer a trusted member of society. That would be a fair thing to do. Not like just let them wander around and, you know, hold government positions as Malfoy does. <laughs> that seems rather reckless. This world. It's also the film where Ron and Harry have a bit of a, a falling out. All of that felt forced. It was stupid and dumb. I always hate that kind of thing in films or in particularly in television shows, but obviously in a film because you know it's just like they're, they're going to come back around in the end and they're going to be happy and friends. It's contrived drama when you know the outcome the second it starts happening. It's just like, guys, stop fighting. You both have dumb hair. Oh, Ron is just jealous of Harry. That's basically it. I thought like the, the big twist in this film is that Brendan Gleeson's Alistair Moody is actually secretly David Tennant's Barty Crouch. That's the big swerve. And I thought they did a, a nice subtle job of teasing that until they kind of leaned a lot heavier in teasing it, especially with the flashback memory where Harry saw into Dumbledore's memories where, where Barty Crouch was arrested. And you're like, you didn't need to, you didn't need to bang us over the head with that. Just little the little nods and the references that that Barty Crouch Senior put away his own son and. That's enough. You don't, you don't need any more than that. I also like that the, the ultimate of ultimate wizard trials is a hedge maze, which is fitting because hedge mazes are pretty objectively terrifying. You get lost in there forever. It didn't seem that dangerous, actually. I suppose they wanted Harry to get to the end, but there didn't seem to be many threats. There was just like the hedge closed in on you and there was some wind. That seemed to be, aside from Victor Crumb, who was possessed or whatever. But other than him, there really wasn't much threat in that hedge maze. It wasn't much of a challenge compared to like dragons or mermaids don't want to kill you. Also like there's a brief exchange between Gamon and Gleason where they seem to just let out their Irishness. <laughs> Fair enough. And oh this film had baby Voldemort. That was terrifying. Or his little slimy baby Voldemort who, who they picked up and put in that cauldron. That was terrifying. But I think this film this film worked. This film worked as a cohesive piece of filmmaking a lot better than Prisoner of Azkaban did. I think Chamber of Secrets does a pretty good job of that, but it has some contrivances along the way and just doesn't feel essential. Whereas th this is the film where Voldemort comes back to life. Though I, I must say, there are probably easier ways to get Harry to Voldemort. It feels like getting him all the way to the, the, the Triwizard Cup and using that as a port key. When like, Harry would have been alone with Moody at multiple stages of this film. Why didn't he just kidnap him? <laughs> It's not like you would have needed him very long. Either way, this is a good film. This is probably the second best Harry Potter film, as I said. I like it. It's one of the dark Harry Potter films that actually works. And they bring in a little international flavor with the different academies. Yeah, thumbs up for Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. You can listen to episodes of podcasts today every single day at soundcloud.com forward slash TWSKK. You can subscribe on iTunes to get new episodes of podcasts today and the weekend show into your feed. Or you can follow me on Twitter at GaryKidney, G-A-O-R-E-T-T-K-I-D-N-E-Y. Thanks for listening. And bye-bye.